We sing that one now and then. And since Jesus came into my heart, things should be different. And we have different desires, different destiny. <laughs> Wonderful life promise for eternity. And so I pray that you have Jesus in your heart. And if we do, then there are some things that the Lord expects. It's not what the church expects. It's not what the preacher expects. It's what God expects. Now, a whole lot of difference. Now, you might blame the preacher for pointing it out, but it's what God expects, <laughs> not what I expect. Although, as a Christian and looking at the Word, we say, well, why don't people do that? And so, think of it in that light as these things are presented to each of us today from the Word of God. You know, we could fight against man, we can fight against the church, but don't try to fight against God and His putting of the things, the truth of his word to ourselves today. He is the authority, is he not? Is God still on the throne? Yes, he is. And so remember that. Don't be found to fight against God as Acts chapter 5 verse 39 says, but if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest perhaps ye be found to fight against God. Never win never win trust the lord believe his word obey his word and here are just a few things that god expects of his children of a christian and so we'll get through as many as we get through in time allotted let's pray thank you lord for your word i pray that it might be a blessing to each and every one today and we'd be strengthened from it encouraged by it challenged by it and lord that we'd be willing to obey it for obedience is the very best way to show that we believe. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is that which we, you are looking for in our lives as your children. And a willing obedience, not a, a resisting obedience. Lord, bless now as the word is opened. And Lord, be with those that are not well today and cannot be here. We ask for strengthening of their bodies that they may be with us again. Be with the children next door as they have the junior church and enjoy the ministry of the word and help the leaders and the children to enjoy that together and be ministered to. Lord, we, we pray for those that might, could be here but aren't here. Lord, just speak to their hearts and encourage them. We pray for those that are listening in on the internet that you would minister to them as well and encourage their hearts. We ask and pray, Lord, that you would be glorified, your name would be lifted up, and, Lord, that you would do your will in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Let's turn in now. First reference, and if you just want to listen instead of turning to the references, that's fine. There will be quite a few. I've got them tagged so that I can find them quicker. But in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 21... We read, in whom all the building fitly framed together, it's talking about the church, not the building, but the people, that fitly framed together groweth, groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. There's one thing that God wants and expects of us is that we grow. Everything else seems to obey. You know, the, the farmers have had a decent rain. I was talking to Brother Chris, I had 90 millimetres out there. I don't know, the sheep has probably got the same this week. Ground is ready to go. 
crops will soon be sown. The farmer doesn't get out there and puff on the seed and push the seed to germinate, there's Chris, <laughs> and, and, and make it to grow. God has built it inside the seed to germinate at the right time and grow. I put some flowers in. I'd have to ask Mrs. Dunn what they were. I think they're chrysanthemums. And they, have, they were flowering. I thought, oh, great. And put them in and they grew a little bit and then all wilted away. I thought, what's wrong with those flowers? Bunnings don't show. <laughs> no, it was the wrong season. They had them in a hothouse, got them flowering at a different time. Now they're, they're all come to again and they're going to have some flowers next month. You know, God makes it work in its seasons and times. It's interesting, the people we work for, the Fleming's Nurseries and others, they, they import trees from over there, America and Europe, and get special permits and all that, and then grow them, apples, all sorts of trees. But they come here wanting to bud, and it's not spring, it's winter, or it's all the opposite. So they have to, but they adjust to the season here. I've often thought that that's how it works. God wants us to grow at the season appointed. The seed has been put in your heart and germinated by the Holy Spirit and he expects growth. God expects that. And if it's not forthcoming, things that God does, he brings that growth forth. He helps us to grow in him. In the Lord, This is talking of the church in general in Ephesians chapter 2. But he wants us to grow. This is the purpose of it, that we might become a holy temple, a people in the Lord. And another mention of the growth aspect of the Christian life is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3, where it says, We are bound to give to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because your faith groweth exceedingly, your exceeding growth of your faith. How are you doing? Are we trusting the Lord more now than we did a year ago, two, three, or when we were first becoming Christian? Uh, can we bear more weight of issues that come our way because our faith has grown? And this is the proportion of faith. It should be growing exceedingly. The seed should be fulfilling its purpose and germinating and becoming a holy temple. The provision of growth is through the word of God, as it says in First Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, as in the reading we had, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow by it. So there's the aspect of growth. The, the farmer plants a seed, it comes forth, and he has long patience for it. It says in James, <laughs> he waits long for the harvest to come and all the things that could go wrong in between planting it and the rain falls the early rain the middle rain the later rain and the you know the, the bugs and the, and, and the, my, the mice I don't know if they're around here yet I haven't seen them uh, they are so they're close they're at Brocklesby so are they in uh, he hadn't plugged the hole in the house so <laughs> they sneak in and, and, and they get in there the, the grasshoppers the red earth mites and brother Dunn used to spray those things to death or on the paddock before they got into the outserts of the crop. All these things come against the growth. And in the Christian life, it's no different. We're planted in the Lord and he wants us to grow. 
and the problems come. And the more you desire to grow and the more you do grow, the more resistance you have from the enemy. The enemy throws everything against you to stop you from becoming what God wants you to become and to grow in the Lord. So can you trust him more now? Can he trust you more with things of life as you've grown in him? And you do it through the word, as we've just read there in 2.2 of 1 Peter. Grow in the word. Must be in the word to grow. And in 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, this word grow is used again in the last verse of that book. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus, or our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow in grace. <clears throat> We're looking at the two sons of thunder, James and John this morning in the adult class. Did they need to grow in grace? <laughs> when the Samaritans wouldn't give them lodging for the night, what did they say to Jesus? Let's fall Let's call fire down, burn them up. And the Lord said, what? <laughs> you know not what you're saying. <laughs> That's not how you treat these people. Grow in grace. And by the end of life, you look at the Apostle John because he lived the longest and he, of all the apostles and how gracious he became. What was the chief subject of the gospel? What is the chief subject of the gospel of John and the first, second and third epistles of John? What does he talk about? Love. Love and truth and gracious behavior of a believer. So God expects us to grow. <clears throat> Speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15, may grow up into him in all things who is the head, even Christ. You remember the fig tree that Jesus came across and there's no fruit on it. And he said, dig and dung about it and next year see what comes of it. And if next year it doesn't have fruit, what did he say? Rip it up. <laughs> Cast it into the fire. Burn it up. Uh, I can say this. It's legal. This, on Friday afternoon... <clears throat> We're doing some chestnut trees in. They'd been there 30 or 40 years and they were only t tiny chestnuts. They'd been grown from a seed instead of from a graft. And so the farmer said, out with them all. <laughs> he literally said, push them all out. And, that, and, and there was chestnuts everywhere, all over the ground, up in the tree falling down. And so out with the trees into the heap because they were not fruiting. And also hazelnuts, about 100 hazelnut bushes, they don't call them trees, and into the heap. Don't bear fruit. What does God say when he looks at us? What does he think? Have we grown enough to say, let's dig and dung about this person, dig and fertilise sounds better, doesn't it? <laughs> about this tree and see what it will do by next year. And God is in the process of bringing us to that point, all of us as Christians individually, before him. So that he might receive us into heaven, and then when we get there, say, say to us, well done, you good and faithful servant. So the Lord is looking for growth. He expects that. God expects it. A second thing that we look at this morning is God expects us to go. 
Let's look to Mark, Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, and verse 18 through to 20. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him and that he might be with them. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go, go there, home to thy friends, and tell them what great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. And they had reason to marvel. This man was a demon-possessed man by many demons. They'd bind him up, they'd try to tie him up with strong ropes, but he broke them all. He lived in the tombs and places, and nobody dared go near him. When he, became a, when he met the Lord Jesus and he was delivered of all those demons and become one of Christ's children, the Lord's children, total change. He went back to where he was, his family. Here I am. And they looked at him. He's sane. <laughs> He's not crazy like he usually had been. And he was delivered. And they marveled at the testimony that he had. But remember what he had requested the Lord the Lord was getting in the boat after he delivered this man of the demons and going across the other side, of, <clears throat> other side of the Sea of Galilee. And he said, please, can I go with you? I want to just be with the Lord Jesus. I want to be at the conference. I want to be with the apostles. I want to see the miracles done. And you'd think, well, he just got saved. He needs to be taught a little bit. But Jesus said, no, nope. go home and show them what's happened to you. And later was another meeting of the Lord with him. And uh, great things had happened through him. Folks, when there's a great change, what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. And people see the change, something they know has happened to you. So go and tell. Instead of, yeah, we need to come to church. I'm not saying don't be, but we need to go and tell. Here we grow as Christians in the church. Out there we go and tell people about the Lord Jesus. And folks, I know some of you are gifted at talking to people one-on-one. -on -one. I know that. It's obvious when you talk about it and what happens and the result. And God's there working. If you are especially gifted in that way, do it. All of us should do it. Some of us are better at doing that than others. And go out and bring them in. Didn't Jesus say that to them? <laughs> go out and bring them in. We might even look at that verse as we go through. But to our friends and family first, go home to your friends, it says in verse 19, and tell them. Simple word, go. Go do it. God expects that of us. And one day we'll give an account of all the times we could have gone, didn't go, and give, get a reward for those times we were told to go and went. <laughs> and people heard the good news. Had that opportunity to share yesterday again on the way home from down there. It was a blessing for an hour and three quarters just to talk to somebody about the Lord and about my prayers for them 53 years ago as a young Christian, a 13-year-old in tears for them. I told them that. Yes, I know. <laughs> they couldn't believe that that had, that had been going on for so long, praying for them and their salvation.
God expects us to go. I, I could have made it home early. I could have got into the study earlier instead of working later last night, but I, I thought, no, I've got to stop. I've got to talk to this person about the Lord. And the opportunity arose through just general discussion. To the, to the others that are mentioned, if you go over to Luke's Gospel now, and, well, if you're following and just listening, that's fine. Chapter 14 of Luke and verse 18, it tells us, And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. The verse first said, I've brought a piece of ground, <laughs> and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. I was working on a 15-acre lot that somebody had bought, and they were fixing it all up, cleaning it all off, making it ready to farm. And uh, they were flat out at it and doing what they wanted to do with it. And I can see what this fellow was about. I must be excused. I've got something else to do. <laughs> Another said, I brought five yoke of oxen, and I must go and prove them. I pray thee have me excused. You can put that into today's terms and say the yoke of oxen have been exchanged for a car, a truck, a, a, a bulldozer, a wheel tractor, or something like that. I must go and prove it. And so we're not going to go. And another said, I've married a wife. He didn't make any excuse. He said, I cannot come. <laughs> He'd be in trouble if he did. He'd just gotten married. So the servant came and showed his Lord these things. And the master of the house, being angry, said to the servant. Now, this is, this is a picture of God. He's done everything he can. He's given us the word of God. He's given us his son, Jesus Christ, as a sacrifice. And he's told us, go out and bring them in. Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, it says in verse 21, and bring here the poor, the named, the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done, and as thou hast commanded, they did it, and yet there is room. I just think of topic after topic we're reading this morning of sermons, and yet there is room. There is room at the cross for, the song said, you. There's room at the cross for me. There's room in the church for you and me. God's house, as long as the church is going and the opportunity there, there's room for people to come to know the Lord Jesus through faith in him. And the Lord said unto his servant, again, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men who were bidden shall taste of my supper. Isn't that sad? That God has given the invitation. All the means are provided. The banquet has been set. But people don't want to come. And often because people who are Christians don't go. Here they went. Others didn't go. And yet there is room. Nobody can say that God's house is full while the church is still running. God is still working. God still wants us to go and to bring people in. In Matthew 28, probably the one that we know the best, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. So go ye therefore into all nations. <clears throat> it mentions 
also in 2 Corinthians 4.4, the God of this world blinds the minds of those we go to, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. When, when did you last go, give a tract, talk to a family member, talk to a worker, talk to somebody, when did you last, when did I and you last obey that command to do? It's obvious. God expects this, that we go, that we grow, that we go. And thirdly, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 to 16. Matthew 5, 14 to 16. That we glow, that we glow. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. I think a lot of people in New South Wales and Queensland would have rather have built on the on the, this place, a city on a hill, than down on the flats where it's cheaper with all the floods that have come. And I think 30%, they say, 30% of houses are built on areas that will flood. And often the insurance companies won't even look at them or charge them exorbitant amounts to insure their homes. But what can you do if you can't afford it? Well, we're a city on a hill. We're privileged. <laughs> we're out of the flood zone, we could say. And we're a light that said, like a lighthouse on the top of the hill that all may see. In those days, if you were a stranger going toward a city, it would be great to have it on a hill instead of in a valley. I can see it. Just walk toward the light. <laughs> walk toward the light. And uh, there you'll find the people, the residents, and a, and a nice bed for the night. <laughs> Ye are the light of the world, a city set on it cannot be hidden, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Set your light on a hill. God expects us to glow with the light of his glory through the gospel of Christ that's been given to us. In Luke, in Luke's gospel, chapter 8 and verse 16, we read this. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, cover it with a vessel, much the same as what we were just reading in the previous portion, or putteth it under a, bush, under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick that all who enter into the may see the light. <laughs> Why have a light that doesn't glow? Have you had those fluorescent lights? They're the out thing now. The in thing is the the other ones, the LED lights. <laughs> yeah, we've got them here. Turn them on and they're instantly bright. But some of the old fluoros, you turn a light on and we're sort of dim and over time it would get brighter <laughs> well if you're so slow starter <laughs> you might be like the fluoro you start glowing as you grow older and get to know about the lord more but nonetheless all of us should brightly shine the place we worked at this week had previously owned by a electrician we were digging up three-phase power about this deep under the ground not not what 600 was he supposed to put it no warning i mean they turned the power off before we got there we we're ripping up wires to swimming pools and everything just cleaning the joint up 
but he'd messed it up so bad. And <clears throat> there was a great big light. And uh, oh, there is a light there. It's a tree fern had grown over it. I mean, there's a lot of tree ferns there growing right over it, so it obscured the light. There's things come in the way that obscure the light. When the light is turned on, it needs to show and shine, brightly shine so that we may see where we're going. And we are the light, folks. <laughs> and we are to glow as the light. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and the verses about um, Satan hindering the light, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Unbelieving people have been blinded by Satan, so they cannot see the light. They look at Christians, and they see things they do do, and the things that they don't do, and they get upset with us because we expose their sinfulness. We expose what they should be doing and what they are not doing. But don't, don't be deterred by that, that dislike of you by those that are not Christians because Satan is blinding their eyes and they need the light of the gospel. They need you and I who have got, got that light to shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God expects us to shine. Keep reminding yourself by singing that song to yourself that we sing in Sunday school. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. We haven't sung that way for a while. I don't think we've sung that, you know. <laughs> we don't blow it out. Don't let Satan blow it out I'm going to let it shine have you let it shine this week in Philippians 2 and verse 15 we read that ye may be blameless and harmless children of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and a perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world what hope has the world got if Christians don't shine that's the problem with the church Christians have stopped shining and the world is walking in darkness, they're making their own moral rules, even from the government down, where the church should be from the base up, shining the light so bright that they can see what's right and what's wrong, what's moral and what's immoral, and walk in the light. But we have the opposite happening in our world today. It's because Christians are not glowing, as we should. First John 5.19 and we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. We've got a large field to shine the light in. We were once darkness, but now you're light, light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, folks. Glow for the Lord. Grow, go, glow, and so is another one. And this is what the Lord expects, a fourth thing that the Lord... There's many more than what I've got here. <laughs> that we'll cover today. God expects us to sow. In Mark's, Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, I was thinking it should be Matthew. It's also mentioned in Matthew, but this is <coughs> reiterated in Mark, chapter 4. And it goes right down, and it speaks about the four types of soil. There's the wayside soil, where it's been trodden down and hard. Now, this week... <laughs> I was deep ripping those areas with about three foot deep. 
put the rippers in and just rip it all up, loosen it all up, let the worms in there, let, the, let it get aerated where the tractors have been, well, 40 years that farm had been like it was, and ripping it up and loosening it for things to grow in it. They're the wayside, it's too hard for the seed to penetrate, and the fowls come and take and devour the seed. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. When the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root, and it withered away. And some fell in the thorns. <laughs> and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And some fell on good ground, and did yield fruit, and sprang up, and increased, and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundredfold. Sow the seed. In my mind, <coughs> having done what I did this week, all those things are very applicable. There was no stony ground, but there was thorns, there was blackberries, and they were all over the, the, the things that they had planted there. I, I felt real bad, but the farmer said, clean that, do this, do that, right, boss, yes, sir. <laughs> and um, came to these weeping cherry trees. They don't have cherries on them, they're just ornamentals. You know, they, they look like a big mushroom. And some of them were in such good soil that the trunks were about that fat and they were about 12 foot tall, but they were covered in blackberries. All had to go. And you felt like, um, well, nobody here to dig them out. <laughs> nobody wants them and it would cost a lot to get them in the heap with all of those hundreds of weeping cherries all in a row and of wonderful ornaments in the garden if you could get them. But, but they had it now. <laughs> and blackberries and thorns but some of them were on the side of the slope of the hill and they weren't near as fat they're only this fat the others down where it flattened off and the soil and the moisture was there they were massive they'd they'd grown as they'd been sown to do and this type of ground that here the good ground and they brought forth plentiful silver birches weeping cherries and all sorts of ornamental trees out with them we're doing something different here planting a new crop I pray that as we have we are the one in the good ground and that we are the one that brings forth a hundredfold and if you haven't sixtyfold if not thirtyfold that we bring forth fruit unto the Lord because the Lord has said this is what he expects of his children we've been sown he wants to see the crop coming just I mentioned the chestnuts before and the the other, the other nut trees, fruitless, take them out. And we're to do this with enthusiasm, as Second Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6 tells us, I say unto you, he that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. There's, there's the warning. If we, if we sow little... We're not going to have the harvest we could have had at the end of life and into eternity. You know, I'm just telling you what God has put in his word. It's you and I have to obey. I have to obey this. You have to obey this. This is what God is pleased with and God expects from us. If you sow sparingly, you're going to, you know, the, the, the farmer might be putting the wheat in the combine and saying, well, I'll put a bit less in. It'll save me some money. But he'd be a fool to do so because... 
it's going to not <laughs> you're not going to have the crop at the end of the day isn't that true chaps <laughs> you you put in you pay the expense you you get rid of the weeds you used to plough them now you kill them with a the poison <laughs> but you, you make it so that it's productive god wants his field to be productive as he's sowing the seed and as i've mentioned many times i just tell good old andrew i praise the lord for andrew in israel andrew just keep sowing the seed yeah we sow the seed we water the seed uh, with the, the dams and the pumps and all the things that are all god does with his rain but god gives the increase and i keep on telling you just trust the lord he will give the increase in the day appointed for the souls that have heard the message there that have heard the message here that you have shared the message with god will increase those that hear and respond to the message and let's pray toward that end that god would give the increase as the seed is sown faithfully by Christians today all over the world. 2 Timothy 4.2 says, Preach the word, be diligent, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Just keep doing it. Keep sowing the seed. As it says in Colossians and Peter, Colossians 4.6, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. And it says much the same in 1 Peter 3.15. We, we ought also, and God expects us, to show, not only to sow, but to show forth the truth of God. In Psalm 92 verse 1, it says, It is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord, and to sing praises unto, his name, o, unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness." morning and thy faithfulness every night in the morning and, and thy faithfulness every night so there we are to show his praises all the time god is pleased with a thankful individual and i believe it was in prayer this morning that was mentioned we ought to be thankful we ought to be thankful and we ought to praise him for all that he's done <clears throat> we are as second corinthians chapter three we read like an epistle known and read of all men as people look on like just leaving for church this morning the car was out in the road parked and i was just about under a yui and the neighbor two doors down come past yeah a big wave to him he sees me he sees dressed like this what does he know is happening <laughs> he's going to church <laughs> it's a testimony is it not you've come to church they see you're piling in the car with the family. They're going to church. And week after week and year after year they see that. And you're showing forth your love for the Lord to the world and they're observing that. They're taking note of that. Whether they like it or not, they are taking note. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, they might be, oh, that guy going to church. He goes, every Sunday, give it a break. But what's it convicting him about? <laughs> He's thinking, maybe I should be at church. When's the last time I went to church? Oh, wasn't that at my wedding? <laughs> last time I darkened the door of a church or Easter? Um, C&E, Church of England, no, not Church of England, Christmas and Easter Christians. <laughs> ah, let's have them be convicted by our very behaviour as we show 
what it means to be a Christian. As we show that we love the Lord enough to give him a time of the day and time of the week to hear, hear about him. In Luke's Gospel 8.39 it says, Return to thine own house as we read before and show what great things God has done. Show what God has done to you. And 2 Timothy 2.15, the verse we know from Awana days. <laughs> 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Study to show yourself approved unto God. Show that you are a Christian by your behavior. Titus 3.2, Speak evil of no man to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. And show forth these things. And last of all, God expects us to know. To know, first of all, that you're saved. It tells us in 1 John 5.13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. How can you show, how can you go, how can you glow and grow unless you know that you're a Christian? Do you know that you're a Christian? <laughs> Have you got that assurance or do you lack confidence? I can't talk to people because I don't know. <laughs> and if you don't know, are you yourself a Christian? That's where you need... <laughs> we could say we should have put this point first. <laughs> but we can back all the others up by this. Do you know you're saved? <clears throat> if you're not growing and if you're not going and glowing and sowing and showing, then it's maybe because you're, you're not knowing of the Lord. Over in Israel, back in Christ's time, there was thousands of them, very religious people. They all thought they were going to heaven. But they didn't know the Lord Jesus. And when Jesus, the Son of God, came, they crucified him. You know not what you do, the Lord said to them. Because they didn't know the Bible. They didn't know God the Father. And there they, they crucified his only begotten Son. Do you know that you're saved? Make sure of that. Ex examine yourself whether you be in the faith it says in the scripture second timothy second timothy chapter 3 and verse 1 and I'll look at this one it says this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come god expects us to know that we're saved he expects, expects us to know that things will get worse and worse until he comes. You read the rest of that chapter and it points out that the fact. Know this. I could be very discouraged having lived long enough to know and Pastor McConnell to know back in times past revival meetings. And there was a real revival. Things really happened. People were repentant and in tears over their sin. Who were sinners and who were Christians also repenting and getting right with God. But those days have gone and perilous times have come. Where people, well, we're so full of self, we're so full of confidence. 
that we don't rely on the Lord anymore. We've got so many things at our disposal. We've got electronics, gadgets all over the place. And we start relying on them instead of the Lord. We need to beware lest we be tricked by the devil into lethargy where we're not enthusiastic about telling others and going and doing what God wants us to do that we've looked at this morning and we become spiritually as it were dead in 2 Corinthians 5 and verses 1 to 7 and just reading a few of those verses for we know for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved we have a building of God a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens This is a wonderful passage for funerals. And I used it at mum's funeral. And I could stand there at the grave with mum in that coffin. And I said, I know this is not mum's final resting place. (laughs) I know that one day she's going to burst forth, I said, come out of this grave. Went visited a couple a week two weeks ago. She's going to come forth. We know that if this earthly house of this tabernacle, this body were dissolved, it's yeah, eaten by worms. That's what it says in the Bible. We have a building of God. We know that in heaven we have an eternal body. And one day the Lord will raise that old body, reunite with the soul and spirit that's now, if we die, is in heaven. And we'll have an eternal body, an immortal body that will live forever without sin, without shame, without Satan, without suffering, without all of those things that are mentioned. in. We know this. Can you say today, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which is promised? Can you say it? Praise the Lord. (laughs) We can, can't we? On the basis of the promises of the word of God, we know. We know. And if you don't know, I invite you to come to know the Lord Jesus. To whom to know is life eternal. Galatians 6, 6 and through to 9. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man soweth, that shall he reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary. Let us not be weary, folks, in well-doing, even though perilous times have come. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Grow, go, glow, sow, show, and know. And you add to it and preach it one day for us here if the Lord moves you to thank you listen to the Lord I tell you it will be worth it all when we get there let's pray thank you Lord for your word and I pray that we might be people that fulfill your expectations of us that we do that which you have commanded us to do that for those who are not Christians that they believe and confess the Lord Jesus as their saviour that he died to pay for their sins and that if they believe he will come in and dwell by his spirit in their hearts and lives from that point on that they would confess with their mouth and believe with their heart that God hath raised Jesus from the dead and they shall be saved for Christians let us obey the word and go out there and tell people 
that we might glow in the darkness of this night and this world, that people might ask us a reason for the hope that is in us, that we might continually sow the seed and show forth the praises of God, that we'd be a great testimony in this community of Albury where we're situated. Lord, bless and minister through us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.